Yama, welcome to Frontier War Stories. Before I go any further, I would like to pay my respects to the country on which this podcast is being recorded and also where my guest is from and the listeners. I also like to pay my respects to all Aboriginal people who fought in the Frontier Wars, which began as early as 1788 and lasted till the 1930s. That's roughly 140 years that Aboriginal people continued to fight. I also like to pay my respects to all of our mob across this continent. Each episode, I speak with different Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people about research, books, oral histories, which document the first 140 years of conflict and resistance. These times are the frontier wars, and these are our war stories. This is episode uh, 31. Uh, and just a disclaimer for anybody tuning in as well, we do talk about uh, massacres and mentioning you know, the perpetrators uh, of massacres as well. Uh, so this is triggering for people. Please understand that that's not our intent. Our intent is to tell the true history of this continent's beginning, of, you know, of, of the beginning of Australia. My guest is an Australian film and TV director, producer and screenwriter, you know, winning numerous awards. Known for films as like Radiance, One Night the Moon, Brand New Day, which is a, a huge hit and favourite with everybody, and Jasper Jones. Uh, what we're talking about in this episode is The Australian Wars, a series directed and presented uh, by filmmaker Rachel Perkins, which reveals the truth of Australia's past, which airs the 21st of September at uh, 7.30pm uh, on SBS and NITV. Um, yeah, first up, you know, Rachel, thanks for making some time to come on the podcast and have a yarn uh, and also create something uh, such uh, of such importance that needs to be created and, and needs to be talked about more often. Uh, yeah, so thanks for that. And could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Where are you from? Yeah, no worries. Um. Well, word out to all the listeners. I'm on Aranda country. I'm an Aranda woman on my grandmother's side and Kalkaroon on my grandfather's side and a bit of Irish and German mixed in there. Uh, but thanks for having me on the show. I'm really, um, you know, your show's great, Bo, and you make a big contribution in, you know, um, amplifying all these histories for us. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really grateful to be able to be here and talk to you about the subject that I know you're passionate about and you know a lot of people really want to mo know more about so um yeah I'm a filmmaker I was trained at Karma in Karma the Central Australian Aboriginal Media Association here in Alice Springs uh when I was a trainee I began in 1988 when I was 18 and I'm now 52 so I think it's 30 years or something <laughs> that I've been working um in film and tv uh, deadly, deadly. No, it's um, that in itself, you know, a an amazing achievement to be still um, in this industry and still making things that are very impactful, you know, to our community, to our mob, um, whether it's lighthearted, whether it's, you know, truth-telling, whether it's hard as well, you know. Um, definitely a, a huge congratulations to yourself for, you know, having such a long career that, you know, has spanned, you know, as you mentioned, you know, almost 30 years as well. Uh, but as I mentioned before, and as you mentioned, you know, um, when, you know, when I get a guest on the show, it's, it, it's about something, you know, it, it's usually about a, a period of time that we don't know. Um, 
and uh, you've created uh, an amazing doco that I've that I've seen uh, that you shared with us, and you know we got to sit on a on a panel to have a yarn as well uh, about the doco and just about this period uh, of time as well, which is known as uh, the Frontier Wars. Your documentary uh, looks at um, frontier conflict in Sydney uh, on early settlement in Tasmania. Uh, on your country as well, in the Northern Territory and some other parts of Australia as well. Uh, first, what pushed you to want to uh, make uh, a film like this um, and, and tell the story? Well, um, I mean, this is sort of what I was trained to do, you know, like uh, people set up Indigenous media associations so that uh, our people could have a conduit through to have their stories told, you know. so. Really, this sort of work is um, sort of core to my to what I do, and um, so I feel very passionate about that. You know, it's been a great privilege to to tell these stories about our people. But um, this story, you know, the story of uh, frontier warfare, or what I call the Australian Wars, um, I was a bit reluctant to do it, to be honest, because. I knew it was going to be a project that would take a couple of years and I knew what was sort of waiting for me really in the archives. You know, I've done a show called, um, a documentary series called First Australians and I was quite aware of, you know, um, the history and I thought, oh, do I really want to try and walk through all that stuff again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, uh, you know, it's, it's such a full-on confronting history, you know, the violence and the, way that the odds uh, are stacked against us. Um, it's a hard story to try and, as a storyteller, think, okay, how am I going to get this story across to people? Um, and it's a big story too, you know, like it's a massive story across the whole continent, you know, so many of our nations over such a big time period, like you say, you know, it's almost impossible to do it. So for all of those reasons, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know. And also, like, it's a topic that if you're a black fella, no matter where you come from, it affects you. Um, but then also, yeah. if you're anybody that causes country home as well, you know, there's, if you don't know about this period of time, then that says something about sort of the journey, your journey as sort of calling this country home as well. Um, you know, you talk to black fellas, you know, non-Aboriginal people, you talk to historians, you talk to, you know, um, uh, elders, community members, you talk to, you know, the war memorial, uh, you talk, to, you, you, you go to um, the back of museums, you know, to look at, you know, uh, the remains of our mob, like, as you mentioned, you know, like, or as I just, you know, like, like, we can't not get away from this as a story that needs to be told. When asking people about, the, I guess, to be a part of this project or even, you know, yarning to mob about this here, what was sort of their initial reaction, you know, in like, um, I'm somebody who will, who will engage in this because you know, it, it, it's a passion of mine to sort of, you know, uh, uh, be a part of, you, you know, this sort of space and, um, you know, learn more and share more as well. But for other mobs, it, it might not be as open to sort of being a part of uh, these discussions as well. You know, it's very confronting. Yeah, look, I think um, on the whole, like, you know, people were really keen to participate. Um, 
They wanted the truth out there. They wanted the history to be widely recognised. Um, there was one community that I didn't really get to talk to them directly that, you know, that may have been a bit reluctant because they just wanted to let the history sit, you know. They didn't want to bring it up again or go through it again, um, which is fair enough. So, but, you know, 99% of the people we approached um, were up for it. And uh, because we all, you know, stating the obvious, but, you know, this story hasn't been out there. It hasn't been part of our national curriculum. So, you know, people don't have a great awareness of it. Um, and there's a lot of myths, you know, like that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people didn't fight back, you know. So there's an important, people felt compelled to, to um, be a part of it, you know, to sort of straighten out the record. Um, and they knew it would go into schools and the, so they were like, yeah, this is, you know, this would be good. It will, it'll hopefully change the record, you know. I mean, it'll go some way. It can only go some way, you know, like a proper, a TV show is very limited, you know. We've got three, three hours. How can you tell a proper story, you know, <laughs> this magnitude in three hours of TV? It's totally inadequate. So, but at least it will contribute to the national conversation and hopefully, you know, through the truth-telling processes and treaty processes that are being set up slowly throughout, you know, Australia, there'll be more in-depth work done. So this is really just something that will, you know, um, hopefully propel the national conversation forward. Mm. <clears throat> it's a period of time, it's a period of time that's sort of been described as like, um, you know, within the part I just read before, you know, revealing the truth, you know, in my sort of intro, I say, um, you know, uh, for a period of time where, you know, it was hidden from the history books or, you know, the books are sort of hidden in themselves, you know. Um, why do you think for quite a while, you know, we never spoke about this? You know, like, and I'm not meaning our mob because our mob, you know, certain roads our mob drive down, they'll point to these sites. You know, if we're swimming in a lake or a river, they'll say, don't go that far down there because, you know, uh, we'll tell you when you're older. You know, like we, we, you know, you know, we're brought up with these stories, but there's a whole, there's a whole population of this country that 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 isn't. And and why do you think that? Yeah, well, that's right. Like we've sort of, in a way, we've carried the burden of the history on behalf of the country. Um, and I think that's why shows like this are important, so that people take responsibility and share that story. You know, because it's part of the birth of the nation. Um, why have those stories been hidden? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. People, you know, historians who are more expert than me in this have said that um, that this history was very well known, you know, in the, um, you know, from basically the 1780s on to the 1880s. It was, you know, very, every people was in newspapers and people talked about it and, you know, in Tassie, everyone knew someone who'd been affected by it. So it was very much part of, um, everyday life, really, and knowledge. But then as, as the sort of, um, Federation of Australia, um, was, you know, getting to 1901 when the country was federated, it was like they, they say, this is what historians say, it's like they wanted a clean slate. And so, you know, you see this gradual whitewashing of, um, celebration of settlement and celebration of agriculture and celebration of, um, you know, the modern pastoral venture. And, of course, in that celebration, there's no room for 
a story that talks about, you know, the cost of all of that um, wealth and prosperity to Aboriginal people. And so they, that's what they, that's what people have said to me that, you know, Federation re- really was the beginning of this sort of um, whitewash of history. And it's pretty much continued until really, you know, that really the early 1970s when they, you know, historians started to write the history and bring it to the public day. But of course, as you say, you know, it's always been carried by our people. I mean, yesterday I was, you know, yesterday I was on a panel in at the State Archive in Queensland who are doing good work, um, trying to come to terms with their record. And uh, a friend of mine uh, broke down um, talking about her mother and her grandmother who always talked about the Hornet Bank massacre and what happened to their people. You know, huge massacres as a result of the Hornet Bank massacre, you know, the retribution party. And she said, my mother and her grandmother were thought, people called them crazy. They just said, oh, that didn't happen. They didn't happen. And, you know, she talked about how upsetting that was, the denial for her family and that people thought her mother and grandmother were mad when they told stories about the violence that occurs in um, central Queensland. So, you know, we have been carrying these stories um, on behalf of the country. And now I think they're going to, you know, they're going to come to the fore again. And it's, you know, it's well overdue, obviously. Mm. The name of the documentary, um, <clears throat> Australian Wars, um, how do you sort of, how did you sum up the film with that title? And did you have other titles? Oh, sorry. We did, yeah. We did have other titles. It began by being called First Wars. And and it was only really until like I was three quarters away shooting it that I thought that it should be called the Australian Wars. And, you know, I've talked to, you know, another Indigenous historian. She said, oh, I don't know whether I like that title, Australia, you know, I like the Australian state. I'm like, yeah, but... These are the wars that made the Australian state, you know. These are the wars that occurred on our country that made Australia what it is today. So, and in a way, I I know it's probably a controversial move to call it that, but I really want us to be able to talk about it in a way that we make it our own, you know, and we, we that the Australian nation is responsible for it um, and that people have a vernacular, a way of describing it. Um, well, can, can I just jump so, in? Because yeah. I know, like, other parts of the country, you know, like Tasmania, you know, um, I don't know how much of the history they say is theirs or is the history of Van Diemen's land, you know, um, mm. or sort of, you know, um, always say, oh, you know, that, that, you know, Australia didn't do that. You know, that was the British under the British as well. Like, we always hear these sort of claims as well. Um but 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 as uh, yeah as you said perfectly you know it, it's because it was the stepping stones to sort of creating the Australian state uh, these were you know and 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 you know um, one interesting thing you know uh, you know a person that you spoke to was um, the the director of the war memorial you know and I remember watching videos a couple of years ago of you know. Um, a lot of the mob wanting to sort of commemorate Aboriginal resistance leaders along with sort of, you know, the, the Anzacs and there was hostility, you know, uh, shown by police and maybe by the people from 
the war memorial, or, or, or if it wasn't them, you know, there, 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 there was sort of, you know, push and shove scenes that we saw, you know, and, and it seemed as if, you know, our our heroes or our figures weren't seen and held in regard to as, you know, the Australian sort of uh, diggers and, and, and warriors uh, 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 for them as well. You know, was it a hard sort of discussion to sort of uh, have uh, with him? You know, was he very reluctant or, you know, to, to want to be a part of it? Um, but then also, you know, let's have that discussion as well about where do we see, you know, Aboriginal frontier figures um, in the war memorial, you know, should we have them there? Should you know, should we, should there be a certain way where we remember, you know, these individuals? Yeah, look, they were the war memorial were very helpful, and they were, um, and he was very willing to and appreciated actually the opportunity to comment. Um, I mean, he's the CEO of the organisation, so he doesn't set the policy, right? The council sets the policy. Um, so in a way, he's sort of, you know, delivering the policy set by people that I didn't get to talk to. Um, but they were very helpful. And I'm, you know, I'm very respectful of the War Memorial because so many of our people have served. Um, and that institution um, pays respect to those of our people and, and ordinary Australians, all Australians who've served and lost their lives in war. And so... Um, I am deeply respectful of that place. Uh, mm-hmm. However, I think that, uh, it's, and it's only my view, you know, like other black fellows will have a different view to me, but it is my view that um, that institution is there to represent warfare in Australia. Like it says that in its act. And for it not to include warfare on our own country um, from people who defending their land um, is a, a massive omission and even though they have a ma- they have a really great gallery that represents Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who served in the Defence Force it's a really big exhibition and have a lot of Aboriginal staff and you know they just they just won't at the moment consider this inclusion and I think it I think in the tide of history or, or in the length of history, that will change. And people, once it does change, you know, like marriage equality, people will be like, oh, I can't believe we didn't do that earlier. You know, I can't believe. And it, it, look, but it does feel, you know, going there, I feel, I feel respectful to it, but I also feel uncomfortable because I feel like, you know, when they say, oh, you know, this should be over at the museum, the Australian Museum, it shouldn't be here. I feel upset by that. It's like, oh, we should, we should be over with all the stuffed animals and, you know, the uh, artefacts, you know. That's not the place for us, necessarily, you know. And um, so, yeah, it's a complex thing. But I think I think it'll change. And I think mm. it's just a matter of time. You know, I think it's a matter of time. And, you know, you look at Aotearoa New Zealand, you know, they've recently called what used to be known as the Māori Wars, which white Australians fought in against Māori, they're now called the New Zealand Wars. You know, and we're we're on this, we're on a, we're on, we're in the process of change. I think as we come out of 
Mm, this mm. long colonial period. Mm. So I think it's only time. Definitely. You know, um, talking of, you know, huge institutions, you know, institutions in this country played a huge part in, as we you know, said before, sort of the stepping stones and sort of establishing the Australian state. Um, one of those was uh, the police force um, played a huge part in that. You know, I think if I'm correct, you know, in the beginning it was um, convicts on good behaviour. And then, you know, at a period of time, they enlisted Aboriginal people to be a part of the Native Mounted Police. You talk a bit about this uh, in the film as well, and I've spoken about this in the podcast uh, as well. Um, you know, this, you know, uh, and in particular, the Queensland Native Mounted Police is described by, I think, I think it's Henry Reynolds as one of the most brutal regimes and organisations sort of in, in, in Australia's history or colonial history. Um what was it like, you know, knowing, you know, um, not just the police force, but, you know, telling that sort of side of the story where sadly our mob were involved or were coerced sort of into this space to sort of patrol our own mob? Yeah, look, it's a part of history that's really difficult for our people, I think, to come to terms with. Um so, you know, and obviously um, a lot of men were coerced at the end of a rifle to participate and if they didn't, they would be shot or a lot of them were in jail and then they, it was the only way they could get out and a lot of people left and then, you know, basically had to flee for their lives. Um, so there were lots of desertions because of what the Native Police were doing. But obviously there were some willing people. Um, it's interesting, you know, when... And I think it's Peter Stanley, who's a military historian. He used to work at the War Memorial. And he said, well, no one questions that, you know, the French go and fight with the uh, Germans, <laughs> you know, or the British fight against the Irish or whatever. We were all individual nations, you know, and obviously we had... Um, Conflicts within our nations, uh, not within our nations, between our nations, you know, like, um, not of course on the scale that we're talking here, but, you know, there was some um, violence between our mobs. So it's not like this is necessarily completely new territory, but I suppose, mm. you know, it, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to be, you know, collaborating with the coloniser and, you know, taking out your own people. It's a terrible thing. But the British, you know, the British did it all over the world. It was just part of the colonial playbook. And um, I shouldn't say the British because it was the Queensland government um, and the Western Australian government and the Northern Territory, which was then South Australian government. You know, they all used Aboriginal people in different ways, either officially or in, as assistants to do this. So, mm. you know, it happened in India, it happened in Africa, it happened in America. Um, it's just a tactic. You know mm. that they use, mm. and uh, um, very complex. Yeah, mm. a lot of industries, a lot of um, institutions, sorry, have played its part in sort of, you know, um, shaping the Australian state. As I said, um, one institution um, that you visited as well, the museum, which houses you know hundreds, if not thousands, of sort of artifacts, remains. Um, that have been returned from overseas and that hasn't necessarily been rightfully, you know, re 
repatriated back home yet. Um, we hope that, you know, more and more communities get, you know, be part of that repatriation program, our process. Uh, but you know, I heard stories, you know, of, you know, the, the, the back area of sort of these museums with these, you know, cardboard boxes of artifacts and remains, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, in 2014, 13, I think it was we with Uncle Bob Weatherall, we were a part of the repatriation process uh, of taking um, a whole bunch of remains uh, back home and and you know giving its due respect and and burial. Um, but I've never been in that back room, and you know what was it like, sort of you know entering that part of a museum that you know some may not know exists, um, and and I guess for a lot of our mob that you know, very hesitant to sort of, you know, go that way, uh, knowing um, that, you know, our our ancestors, our mob are held, you know, in such ways, you know, in boxes, in jars. Yeah, it's really awful. And, um, and I mean, that the, the ancestors that they hold there uh, have been returned from international places. There's, Lots more of our people still overseas, but there's far more of our people in Australian institutions. Could, um, could you tell us why our mob were overseas, like the remains were taken overseas? Like, is there any specific reasoning that, you know, the the museum people would have told you about or? Yeah, well, it was a wide um, trade. It was a very um, lucrative trade in Aboriginal remains um, where our ancestors remains um so they were sold um and you know it was during that period where um you know uh darwinian ideas about um uh the evolution, the evolution of the species yeah. <laughs> was around and so people were like had all these theories like oh aboriginal people are at the bottom of the scale and so we like measure their skulls and you know take skin and hair and samples and we'll keep them and we'll study them and you know and like it was just you know and people people traded not only in our people's domains but all sorts of others and it's like collectors you know and there's a exhibition that Judy Watson's got on at the moment about you know um called skullduggery about um people saying oh look I think I can get you a full skeleton and uh you know all this just the way they talk about it you know is um it's really based, you know, it's very dehumanising and um, pretty revolting. And, yeah, there's just our museums are full of these, of our people. And, you know, mm. they're like, oh, we don't know what to do with them. They don't like, you know, there's no money to bring them back. And once they get back, there's no money to bury them. It's just really, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big part of, you know, the colonial violence. But, um, mm. Like when we did it, I think, uh, like when we did it, I think it was like a 20, maybe 15-year sort of fight and process that Uncle Bob Weatherall had to go through to, you know, actually get them out of the museums in the car and back home on country, you know. Um, and and yeah. without trying to, you know, give away too many scenes in, in the doco, that part, you know, was very heavy and emotional because there was sort of like a reunification uh, of, you know, out the ancestors with sort of, you know, some mob today. Um, you know, we, we see yeah. this 
you know, this in the film, you know, which, you know, um, you know, I get, like, you know, it is an emotional thing just sort of, what, you know, watching from afar and, like, just watching the film, you know, like, I couldn't, under, you know, fathom how yourself, you know, felt, um, you know, being, like, how did that feel, you know, you know, sort of being a part of sort of some kind of unification between an ancestor and, 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 and you know, I think it was a grandmother, her granddaughter with her, supporting her in this process as well, like, seeing, you know, their, you know, you know, their, you know, knowing the stories is one thing, but, you know, like, I think tracking it back to, you know, uh, the individual is, is something different too. Yeah, it really is, I think. And I look, I felt slightly, you know, as a filmmaker asking her, because I knew it was going to be full on for her, um, the senior, thorough woman, um, to go and visit the ancestors who had been taken from a massacre, the Appen Massacre, really the first sort of known documented massacre in New South Wales. Um, there was, yeah, and and I, you know, I was like, this is full on. And I asked her to do it the first time. She said no. And then I, when I was talking to her about something else, because um, I worked with her on other things, and I was saying, oh, how are you feeling? You're still feeling like you don't want to do it, and. She was like, no, I've rethought it and I will do it. And I talked to her about, you know, that we'd have um, Namber in Wiradjuri, elder there, Matilda House, with us and look after her and keep the culture safe and she smokes and all of that. And that made her more willing to do it. But you do feel a bit, you know, making someone go through that is pretty full on. But, you know, like this is our history. This is what's happening. You know, these people were massacred. Their heads were taken. They were sent overseas, soldiers were paid for it, they're sitting in a bloody, you know, box. You know, it's just like, this is our history. It's just, the history's not over, you know. It's with us still, as you say, Bob Weatherall, you know, fighting to get ancestors for years, decades, you know, like it's still with us. And it's mm. very much still with us. You know, we're still, like, I think you can't just say this history's past, you know, because... I make the point in the documentary that, or others made the point to me within the documentary that, you know, the Queensland government's still fighting people over native title. You know, <laughs> they're still fighting them over their land. You know, so it's not over, you know, and so I think you have to go there. You know, you really have to take people there. This is what it means for blackfellas today and whitefellas today. You know, you have to take it to the emotional part of part of it. And so, yeah, it is full on. It is confronting. I don't want to go into those sorts of facilities, but, you know, that's the truth of the situation. So, mm. you know, we've got to lay it out for people, I think. The series, you know, examines, you know, what, what, like when we think about frontier, you know, the frontier, you know, we think about the rush of people, the explosion of land or not like you know the the yeah you know, the rush of people the expansion of sort of uh people out further and further you know starting farms and you know growing crops and herding cattle then we hear about sort of the conflicts and the battles you know but, but there's so much more within that as well um you know uh with the treatment of aboriginal people with the resilience of of, 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 of of our mob, with uh the bravery, you know, of our mob as well. 
Um, you know, it was so much to put in, like, you know, as you mentioned before, like, you know, you had an hour and you had three episodes to do it. How did you find the time to sort of pinpoint, you know, as much as you wanted in? Because, you know, um, I, I never heard much really about what happened in, obviously I've heard of the Black Walls in Tasmania. Um, you know, you had a couple of the elders, uh, on there from down that way, which was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I have, you know, I know Uncle Rodney Dillon. I've interviewed him quite a few times, uh, on this podcast as well as others. Um, you know, and, you know, you talk about, um, you know, the sort of first warrior or the first sort of, you know, um, figure who, who, who instills sort of fear within the colony, you know, that, you know, being Pamoy. Um, and you also, you know, venture back home as well. Uh, there's so much, you know, in this documentary. How did you sort of collate it all together and uh, to put enough in there? Did you think you put enough in there? Yeah, well, look, that was part of the big... I mean, I feel like in some ways I've failed because I just haven't been able to... Like, today I had to write an email on the plane explaining to someone that I hadn't... that we'd film with that we couldn't fit it in, you know? their story and that's just like cutting off a finger you know <laughs> like it's I don't know how else to describe it it's so gutting to um not be able to really do justice to the story you know but I think like all all we can do in this show is we can give the broad brush strokes you know and then other other people will you know like other people will do more work you know like Obviously, there's Dunderley. We've spoken a lot about him. You know, he's an amazing figure. You know, he needs a TV series just made on him. You know, <laughs> and what happened up there. You know, um, there's so much. So, but look, in terms of your question, I I wrote the script and um, just did a lot of reading and did a research and then look for the last episode. I I couldn't really, I couldn't write a script because it was so big, the story, because the first episodes in New South Wales, it sort of sets the framework of, you know, no property rights were given and the way people fought, the way Aboriginal people resisted, all that sort of warfare tactics, that sort of stuff. Episode two goes to Tasmania, which is a very complex and big story. And then episode three, it's everywhere else. <laughs> so I couldn't actually write a script for the last one because, I just couldn't come to terms with it, so I just went out and started shooting stuff. Um, I sort of knew the things I wanted to cover or could cover, but I just, um, I just, yeah, mm. I just started shooting, and uh, well, then yeah, the film was way, 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 way too long. <laughs> I was trying to think, oh God, I'll have to add another episode, but you know, we'd run out of money and time, and so mm. you know. That's, well, well, the third episode gets here. the third episode gets very personal for yourself, you know. Um, and I guess, you, you, you know, you go home or you go to a site of a very brutal massacre as well. And um, for some of the mob there, it's the first time all them fellas going to the site as well. Um, how was that, you know, putting yourself in that position? Um, you know, and was it a thing that you sort of battle with, with showing, you know, something so personal and close to yourself as well? Um, you know, because... You know, for myself personally, I've I've been to maybe Mile Creek a handful of times. I missed out going this year. Um, I've been to um, the Slaughterhouse Creek, sort of, or near the site where where another massacre was, like five months before Mile Creek. Um, but yeah, you know, like how was that? 
you know, for yourself, you know, sort of being a bit more personal uh, um, and, and showing that? Well, firstly, it was very weird to be on camera at all, like, because I'm behind the camera type person. So that was strange. Um, and I don't know, I'm still a bit freaked out about it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens when people watch it. But um, look, I think it's important. It, you know, I, I never, I, I didn't make a, I didn't set out to sort of be like the objective person, you know, like. Uh, like the objective journalist, you know, like this is part of my family's history on both sides, Kalkarun and Aranda, and um, and you know, it's important important for me to talk about that history too. So, yeah, I mean, and I grew up knowing some of it. Like, you know, as a little girl, I knew that my great grandmother was, you know, chained to a tree and raped. You know, like that was a story that my dad told us. You know, I'd heard about all these stories about what happened in Tasmania and other places. So it wasn't like it was anything new to me in many ways um, because all of us, you know, have these stories in our family often. Um, yeah, but look, I, I feel, I feel, I don't know, it hasn't, you know, at the time we're speaking, it hasn't gone on television yet. So it's really, and hardly anyone's seen it, you know, like you've seen it. Maybe like 10 other people have seen it. Hardly anyone's seen it. So I just don't know how people are going to react. Um, and I'm sure well, I'll be well, criticized, guess, you know, or something. I don't know. You know, you know like we, you know, as Blackfellas, as we've both said, you know, throughout this, yeah, and we know this sort of story. Um, is there a directed audience? You know, is that the broader, is that like the, you know, 20 odd million other, you know, uh, uh, Australians out there is, is this where it's directed to you know we, we, we mentioned like there's a shifting point in this country you know um, every year on Invasion Day we see tens of thousands of people marching with our mob on on if not one of the, our most hardest days you know are we is this is this something for them you know is this a, is this that sort of shifting point that you know the broader public needs like that sort of educational kick you know, um, is, is, is that, you know, was that the sort of the audience or that, that you wanted to reach or, you know? That... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like it's, um, I always, my first audience is always Aboriginal people, my our people, you know, that's, I've always got a lens on of how they're going to look at it. And, um, and so the stories I tell are for them or for us, well, um, but I also am very, very, I try and be very careful to speak to a broad audience as well because um, these films, this film is for, or this series is for all Australians and um, and it will go into the schools into the future for maybe the next 10 years, maybe more. And a whole bunch of Australian kids will, young people will have a different... Uh, piece of information about the about the uh, the creation of their nation. So that's always in my mind and I think with this series it's such an important topic. Um, mm. It's such a sensitive topic that I didn't want to, mm. I really did want to bring non-Aboriginal people with us, you know. Mm. I really wanted to bring them in and welcome them in in a gentle way. Definitely because... 
because as black fellas, we know how we want this country to be. Or we know how we want this country to treat us. You know, um, you know, you do this film for a certain reason. I do the podcast for a certain reason. And, you know, I don't know if we can both agree upon saying this is what happened and this is how we don't want to be treated again. You know, um, we can learn from our mistakes in our history. One thing I always say in the podcast is, you know, uh, history, you know, informs us about our relationships. You know, we're, we're at a, as I mentioned, we're at a very critical time. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really like using the word hope. You know, because, um, you know, we have something more stronger than hope. I think it's it's that resilience and drive that, you know, has sat with us for the last 250 years. You know, um, I think, you know, the populace needs something, you know, like that. And it definitely needs, you know, the content that we're creating um, and, and more of it, you know. So hopefully, you know, you can make more episodes uh um as well you know uh because like i said you know i thought you done a i thought you done a good job you know um i thought you know the people in in the film it, you know did did a great job um some of the i don't know what you got the cinematic parts were were amazing as well something like the mob that you got for that was really cool um and i appreciate the invite as well to to be a part of you know I guess the the panel aspect of the film as well, um, but yeah, you know, um, I, I hope you know this this series continues. But I definitely hope this conversation that we're creating continues, you know, on the many uh, 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 doorsteps or or, or or dinner tables or or, or you know pub uh, pub benches. You know, these that's where these conversations need to happen. Um, but yeah, you know, and I guess on that, you know, Rachel, thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, it's, you know, I, got, I can't thank you enough for coming on um, and sharing this conversation. But, you know, witnessing what you made uh, with, you know, the the, the, the deadly guests on, uh, on the program as well. And, you know, um, yeah, look, look, I'm looking forward to sort of the, the broader reaction as well and, you know, what you know, uh, white Australia or, or the you know, Australia will say about their war. Yeah, well put. And um, I, look, I'm really happy to be on the show and thanks for having me. And I, I think um, I think it will be very interesting to see how they respond. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to sit in Alice Springs as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and where I feel secure and in my country and where I gather my strength from and, uh, yeah, just watch it all unfold. And um, I'm sure there'll be those strong reactions from those who want to deny it. And um, as, as as we know, that's happened before and um, no doubt that'll happen again. But as, you know, everyone says in the show, the evidence is just too overwhelming and I think you're right, we, you know, it's, it's really we've come to a time when, you know, we just can't pretend anymore. It's just not a, that's not an option. Like, mm. the history's right in front of our faces and, you know, it's all around us. Oh, definitely, definitely it is. Um, as I said, you know, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, just anybody, you know, listening right now that wants to find out a bit more about uh, the Australian uh, wars, it, as I mentioned, uh, the 21st of September, 7.30 on SBS and NITV. It's part of a 
it's a three series uh, film airing uh, once a week after the 21st. Is that right? Yeah, every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. And, um, yeah, there'll be uh, educational resources through the schools. Culture is Life, um, an Aboriginal organisation making a whole suite of educational resources for years 9, 10, 11 and 12. So they'll be available and, yeah. Mm. And then Hope also after the third it. one, there's a, a great discussion involving us two and some other, you know, uh, Deadly Mob talking about uh, this uh, topic as well, a bit more in depth, like you could say. But, um, you know, and as you mentioned, there's many historians, writers, um, and as on the podcast, many musicians. There's many people telling these stories. Um, you know, uh, if you want to follow sort of some of the work that we're doing, uh, Rachel has Blackfella Films. Head to the website, check out her amazing work, uh, her great catalogue uh, of films and documentaries and TV series. Um, Definitely, you know, uh, wait up for this to come out. Uh, you can just Google Frontier War Stories. It'll take you to the podcast. Or, you know, you can head to Instagram. That's where I post a lot of content uh, on that page as well. Um, and there's many other people out there who are, you know, in this space uh, and, uh, you know, um, are putting out, you know, are doing the hard yards. You know, we're just, you know, creating a platform for people to tell these stories. Uh, this is episode 31 of Frontier War Stories. Uh, and thanks uh, for having us.